G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. The incense that was burned every day. There was the maintenance of the temple itself. There was the manufacture of the priestly garments and cleaning of things and, you know, the upkeep. Everybody had their role and it developed over time. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. In the lead up to Christmas, we've been looking at the various characters involved in the story of the first Christmas. We've learned about the Magi, who they were and where they came from. In the last program, we took some time to learn about the geopolitical situation, about the Romans and the Persians and the possible threat the Romans may have felt by a large delegation of Magi coming from Persia to worship a newborn king of the Jews. We also learned about Herod the Great, who was called the King of the Jews at that time, but he wasn't Jewish at all. He was a tyrannical despot who murdered anyone whom he thought posed a threat to his crown, even his own sons. Charming man. Yeah, not a nice guy at all. <laughs> no. It was an incredibly unstable, volatile and dangerous time for the Messiah of Israel to be born, and that's the point of the exploration. So in this program, we're going to be focusing our attention of the priesthood ruling in the temple in Jerusalem. You know, it's interesting you you say that um, it was a really unstable and dangerous time for Jesus to be born. And you're right, that's the point. If it had been a really nice, quiet, peaceful time for him to be born, he would have never been executed. Mm. It's like it was a terrible time to be born, and yet it was the perfect time for him to be born. So, yeah, so we've looked at all of those. Now we're going to look at the, um, the priesthood in in the temple at Jerusalem and the condition that they were in. Now, the priesthood was supposed to come from the tribe of Levi, and the Levites were unlike the other tribes in that they didn't get a land allotment amongst the rest of the Mm. tribes. Their job was, their inheritance really was the the temple and God himself. Uh, they, They did... They were allocated cities of refuge dotted throughout the nation. That was basically to be a representative of the priesthood and the laws and everything throughout the nation in case people in those regions needed assistance or somebody you know, could run there if they inadvertently killed somebody, they'd run there as a city of refuge and be protected from your revenge. Uh, but basically these um, the, the Levites were broken into families. And the family of Aaron, the Aaronites, their primary role was to be the actual priest. If you were not a family member of Aaron's line, you couldn't be a priest at all. But as far as daily functions was concerned, apart from being priests, their responsibility was, particularly in the wilderness wanderings, any time God moved and he wanted the people to get up and move camp, their responsibility was to either dismantle or pack up the Holy of Holies and everything inside it. And then... In event nobody else was allowed to touch it or they'd die, and the example we have of that is Uzzah when he put his mm. hand out. Okay, so you're not allowed to touch that stuff unless you're of the family of Aaron. Then there was the the Kohathites, 
and they were charged with the transporting of the ark and the vessels that were packed up by Aaron and his sons. They had to carry it on their shoulders. Then there were the Gershonites, and they were responsible for services in the tabernacle and the transporting of the curtains and the badger skins and different instruments used, and again, under the in, um, supervision of Aaron's son. Itamar, the Merorites, they provided services in the tabernacle and were in charge of the boards, the pillars, uh, bars, socket pins, cords and instruments, that sort of thing, under supervision again. And so they all had their specific things. They also had specific places where they would camp around the mm. perimeter of the uh, the tabernacle as well, certain places they had to camp. And and this kind of went on for quite some time. They had their specific responsibilities that they had to do. So these are all people within the tribe of Levi yes. and based on which family they were born into as to what they did. But I guess obviously once the temple, uh, once the tabernacle became more stable, like obviously Jerusalem becomes the capital, mm-hmm. the tabernacle isn't going to be moved again. No, that's so right. some of these guys then... Well, they, if they were the removalists, they didn't really have a job. So then their job kind of changed yep. to become yeah, more yeah. Yeah, David set that up, actually. He set other responsibilities in play for all the different families in the tribe. So some of them were playing music, some were in the choir, some were song leading. Obviously, you um, even think of the sons of Korah. I mean, that was sort of their role, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. David had set up there. Uh, And then under King Solomon, uh, when the temple was built, Mm -hmm. more the same, I guess, the the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, wasn't going to be moved again. But their role continued to uh, develop over years. And they were given different functions based on their family that they were born into. Absolutely. There were various uh, different responsibilities. It could have been from making the oil, the manufacture of the oil burned in the uh, menorah. It could have been the the incense that was burned every day. There was the maintenance of the temple itself. There was, you know, the manufacture of the priestly garments and all uh, the cleaning of things and, you know, the upkeeper. Everybody had their role and it developed over time. In fact, it developed to such a point um, that the temple became a bit of an industry in and of itself and you, if you jump sort of to the time of Malachi, every time you hear the word Malachi, the book of Malachi you automatically think, okay we're going to hear a message about how important it is that we give our tithes and offerings. <laughs> That's right. However, if you actually read the book in its totality, you understand that the people were bringing their tithes and offerings but the priests themselves had become corrupt and the best part of the offering was supposed to go to God the rest of the offerings were for the provision of the priests mm. and in all those working in the temple. But the priests had become corrupt. They were keeping the best for themselves. So was it really a tithe of the tithe that they were keeping? Exactly. That God was you know, saying, you're, you're stealing from me. Yeah, and he was saying to them, to the, to the leadership, get your act together and stop ripping me off in tithes and offerings. And if you'll do what you're supposed to do, you'll see what I'll do for you. Mm. And then you jump 400 years after Malachi and you've got Jesus walking into the temple temple and he's seeing this massive money-making industry and it's like after 400 years they still haven't learned the lesson and they had literally turned this into a marketplace that's why he made a whip and he drove them all out you find them there in the temple they're buying and selling animals they're exchanging money there's your currency conversion going on there's all sorts of different things happening inside the temple that as you said jesus was not happy with at all he you know 
turned the tables upside down and got really angry uh, because they had turned you know, God's house of prayer into a, into a den of robbers. Absolutely. And, and of course, you, you're talking about the animals. I mean, John 2.14 actually says that they were dealing with pigeons and oxen and sheep. Okay, you're talking about basically they're breeding and mm. providing animals so people would come and buy the sacrifices from them. And then you mentioned currency conversion. Well, you had to pay the half shekel tax every year. Everybody in Israel had to. And then you had wanted to buy your animals. You couldn't bring in Roman currency. It had an image of Caesar on it. So you had to get the temple shekel at a, at a fee, of yeah, course. Yeah, that's right. You, you know? pay the currency exchange. So exactly. They were making a lot of money out of this. But there was a specific... Um, feast every year where there was very special criteria for the offering. You know which one I'm talking about? So this would be the, the Passover lamb. Yes, exactly. So the Passover lamb had to be one year old. It had to be without blemish. It also had to be a firstborn male lamb. So it had to be the first um, lamb born to that particular sheep. Uh, it, it's it's mother. So it, there's very specific criteria. Well, how do you bring that sheep, that lamb, to the temple to have it certified and 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 approved by the the priests if you couldn't prove it? So mm. it was in the priest's best interest to reject your lamb. You come and buy it from them. And so I I guess in this particular because every program that we've had about. The first Christmas, I'm ending with a bit of a hypothetical question because there's no verse in Scripture that actually says the priests had set up a breeding program for firstborn male lambs in Bethlehem. There's no verse that actually says that. But when you know that only eight to nine kilometers away from the temple was the shepherding community of Bethlehem, where, which is historically where they had mm. sheep, yeah. And and that they were actually selling all of these animals for sacrifice. And so my hypothetical question is this. Is it possible that the priesthood in their corrupted state had established a breeding program not too far away but in the little close shepherding community of Bethlehem where firstborn male lambs without blemish were bred for the purpose of sacrifice in the temple and specifically for Passover, where a firstborn male lamb would have its blood shed mm. so that sin and judgment could be forgiven of the people and judgment would pass over the people. That's my hypothetical question. And we'll leave you to ponder that hypothetical question until our next program. We we'll look next time at the shepherds and their relationship to Jesus both on the night of his birth and after. That's next time on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 